Hello, everyone. My name is Hank Settler. And I'm Casey McBride. And we are here with another episode of Stir Crazy Shamans. As soon as I find my little video. Here we go. I have a friend with me here today. She said that she wasn't going to be quiet or content unless she just was a part of the, at least the beginning of the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, she definitely has a mind of her own and she loves being part of the action or not. <laughs> That's which is why she can't make up her mind. It goes in and out. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> she keeps it entertaining. <laughs> Absolutely. And welcome everyone. And uh, if you are wondering, yes, this is the same co-host. Uh, that's Casey. He, he liked how I looked so much that he decided that you know I gotta get in on that action. And, uh, I did. I did. Not this part though. Just on top. Right. <laughs> I, uh, I'll, I'll keep the beard. The beard likes me. It seems to like me. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep it around. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was funny because I think I was kind of like on the verge of. If I remember correctly, I, like I kind of needed a haircut before the COVID nineteen thing hit, and then it just, you know, obviously no one was getting any haircuts then, so I was starting to look a little ridiculous. In the mornings when I would do the show, it wouldn't be so bad because it was like right after I got out of the shower, but um, like at the end of the day, my hair was going in all different directions, and <laughs> it was not a good look for uh, going to see clients uh, since I started up doing massage therapy again. So I told them take it all off. <laughs> and for those of you um, that have been watching the show for some time and have known that or have asked about are you able to get mp3s of it and listen to it all that is now possible we're still uploading all the archives but if you go to the youtube channel now in the header there is a link to one of the streaming services and if you click that you can download uh, we got the most recent episodes and i have started to put in the very beginning episode. So like the very first show that we ever did, it's all available there. It will even work in Android Auto. So like if you're driving around, you could be like, hey, Android Auto, place their crazy shamans and it's gonna start playing our podcast. So that's oh, all that's available. Cool. It is also now in iTunes. I don't have the link for that one set up yet, but if you're an iTunes user, you can find it in the iTunes store. So um, a lot of great uh, possibilities for you to take it with you wherever you wanna go and, um, and let us know what topics you wanna hear about because we can make some content around what you would like to know about. Uh, that's why we kind of changed our whole um, our whole flow. If you notice, the title today is Intuitive Inspirations because we never stay on topic anyhow. Uh, so now we're just going to talk and see what comes up and make up the title after the fact uh, about what we actually talked about. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to share a little story to start out with. Um, I went to, uh, well, this was going back based on something I was talking about before, but I decided I was going to make a spirit guide altar. Um, I have like a little altar back there with just like my, some various tools and things and like my little cauldron that I burn fires in and do fun stuff. But I wanted an altar specifically for my spirit guides since I work with them so closely and intimately. Um, and uh, I went to the, the local shop and um, I would decided I was going to buy a crystal for each one of my angel guides. There's four that I work with really, really closely. And uh, so I think three out of four of them before going either told me exactly what crystal they wanted or what kind of energy in a crystal that they wanted. So that was pretty easy. But then the one guide said, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you when we're at the store, I'll like point to it. And that's the one you're going to get for me. <laughs> so uh, I was walking through and there was, uh, um, 
this greenish kind of crystal with these little black swirls throughout it. And uh, I didn't know, I've never seen that crystal before. Well, I probably have, but I was never aware of it. Um, so the guy points and he's like, oh yeah, grab one of those. And I go, okay. And his energy is kind of this like green and like dark color as well. So it kind of like matched up with the way he, his energy looks to me. Um, and then uh, I went and didn't ask about any of the other crystals I bought really, but um, I went and I was like, hey, I have no idea anything about this little green crystal. Could you, I was asking the owner of the shop, um, can you tell me a little bit uh, about that crystal? And she pulls out a book and is reading it. And she, but the one thing she said is she's like, it is a poisonous crystal. Uh, if you, if you like were to actually, like people want to cut it on their own and like make things out of it. She always tells them, don't do that. Cause you'll, was this Malachite by chance? I think so. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, so they're really fascinating. So as soon as she said that, this like a light went off. I was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. So this, um, guide of mine, uh, he, before I really connected and remembered how we met each other, um, I always see him, he's got the, this knife that he kind of like plays with. And then, um, it like splits off into all these different knives that he uses to like cut cords and things. And, um, uh, oh, where was I going with that? Oh, so anyway, so one day I was watching him do that and I asked him, okay, well, how do we know each other? What's with the knife and all that? And um, the, how I met him is when I was, um, that's where I come from, is from like the alliance of what humans call angels. And um, we were uh, in like battle together and um, he had gotten stabbed by this poisonous knife and um, I uh, like saved his life. I um, pulled the knife out and did um, healing on him. And uh, so ever since then he kept the knife and he uses it to do healing work now. Um, but, uh, uh, so the fact that he pointed that crystal and it was like a poisonous and yet also healing crystal, uh, I thought was just the most incredible little synchronicity uh, for me. That was so cool. <laughs> Funny story when Ryan, uh, Ryan Dean, who's one of the office partners at uh, Holistic Health and Healing, he used to have a lapidary company and he would buy like bulk stones and like cut them down. And he had a company called Mystic Stone and made this beautiful jewelry. And one of the things that you'll do is you have like special saws and things to um, cut things. And I don't think at the time when he was just getting into it, he knew all the ins and outs about crystals. And as he's, um, cutting uh, i believe it was malachite uh, the mask that he had on he just noticed like it felt wet and it was just covered in blood and the the dust from cutting it had gotten into his lungs and caused like this um really bad um breathing issue and so he had like a, for a crash course experience some crystals. like for some of those things like you have to keep it wet and there's like very specific ways you have to cut or polish the stones because of how um how toxic it can be and that's even one you want to wash your hands after you touch it before you would like eat food and things like that so then the question that leads me to tell people if you have crystals like that one of the wonderful ways you can use them is to make elixirs right so if you have like malachite and you wanted to put the energy into like a water tonic instead of putting it directly in the water like you would with some other crystals you get like a little cup you put the crystals that you want to infuse into the water and let it float in the water and energetically it will still imbue the energetic qualities into the water without getting the chemical qualities. So a little crystal tip for you. Wait, so you're telling people to put it in the water, but, but, but let it float. So like if you have a, a cup of water and then you have like a little bowl, 
like a little offering bowl or oh, something. Like okay. That in the water. So the bowl is floating in the water, but the crystal itself isn't actually in physical contact with the water. Okay, and that's how you can, or the other way you could do it is if you had like a little uh, plate that you were lifting your cup on, check out my Marvin Martian cup, right? Uh, <laughs> have that up, up on top and you can put the crystals underneath or you can put symbols underneath the water to help uh, infuse it. We would do that all the time with Reiki, like putting the Antikorana symbol under it, uh, like a, the water that you're going to drink for the day uh, or different other things that would help energize and add different qualities to the water. Mm. And speaking of infusing water, I did, uh, um, and, uh, I've done this a couple times where I've tried for like a week at a time or more where every single glass of water that I drank, I, I did energy healing on and I would uh, like restructure energetically the water and infuse it with different intentions. And um, I remember one time doing that, uh, the energy flowing through my body just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger every day. And I actually stopped because at the time it got too overwhelming. Um, and I think that was just, I, I wasn't, um, I don't know. It was maybe either because there was still some like hucha in the body that I wasn't really dealing with and it got uncomfortable when the energy got so intense, or it could have just been that that was almost like too much energy for the physical circuit to sort of handle at the time. But, um, just goes to show that like, you know, the way that we, um, I don't know, treat our water is, is really important. Uh, and not just, you know, like making sure it's filtered and all that, but what are you putting into it energetically? Right, because Doctor, um, you brought him up before. I always forget his name, but he did all the experiments with freezing water. Was yeah, uh, Doctor Emoto. Doctor Emoto, and like you would, you would just take like the energy of a word and then freeze water and like look at the pattern afterwards. And there's a really good like summary of his work in a book on a movie called What the Bleep Do We Know? Mm -hmm. uh, but it would, if you use a word like Hitler, for example, or fear, or uh, pandemic perhaps who knows uh, but when you would freeze the water it would look very chaotic and uh, almost ugly in a way uh, and then if you use words like love joy hope peace it would be like this beautiful pattern so like really and, and, and that would happen that would ha they tried it first with the people saying the words out loud to the water uh, but then they also did experience experiments where they just thought the words at the water um, I didn't know about the thinking of the words. I knew they would write it down on paper and then they would also say it, but the thinking part, I, I, have, I didn't study his work too much. Yeah, it's um, so well, they, they tried all, all kinds of different things. They would try that with, um, I think a lot of it started out with sound and it was um, uh, like they would play a beautiful symphony and then freeze the crystals and then they would play like some like really um, like, like death metal or something very like chaotic like that. Um, and same thing, like the all the peaceful, the things that we normally associate with being like very peaceful, light, loving, um, would always generate these like beautiful crystalline structures when looked at under a microscope and it was frozen. And then the things that a lot of people perceive to be, you know, sort of, um, uh, I don't know, more chaotic, a little more dissonant, uh, would would it would freeze and it almost looked like it was really like fractured and um, there was no real, like there was no real structure to it. It was just kind of chaotic and fractured. Um, and, but yeah, same thing. So they, they did experiments like that, but then they did experiments with just um, without sound, with no nothing coming into the room except for people's thoughts. And it would have the same effects. Yeah, and there was a, in one of our previous episodes, I have it here. I wonder if I can show it just briefly. Oh, this one's not as nice as, uh, well, this does, this does the job. Let me show this in a second. Uh, Besides just the thoughts, the frequency of what we are, um, what we were putting into our uh, field and the things around us has a huge effect. So like, think about the music that you listen to. 
Uh, let me find. I lost StreamYard. Where are you, Casey? <laughs> <laughs> I can't find you. But I can hear you, so I know I haven't collapsed the window completely. Oh, um, I can see you. I know it's because I, I made it full screen and then I couldn't see any of the tabs. <laughs> oh, how silly am I? Okay, so let me try this again. Share screen, Chrome tab, share with audio, and let me see if I can find that YouTube video again. Uh, cymatic, here we go. Oops, that's not the right tab. You can see us, like this is kind of uh, kind of trippy, isn't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> One more time here. But the premise of what I'm about to show you shows that how different frequencies actually have um, a, like an effect on uh, physical substance or, or, or physicality, I guess would be the word I want to use. So you can see the little sand here. And what they're going to be doing is they're running a very specific Hertz frequency through that. Now I can't play this much for more than like 30 seconds because of like rules about sharing, but this is the cymatic experiment just to cover everything. And this is, if you want to see the whole video, it looks like this is from Matteo, uh, whoever this gentleman is making this nice little video that we're about to watch. But as, as they change the frequency, of what you're putting uh, onto the somatic plate, the sand jumps around and it starts to make different patterns. So very specific patterns will make um, more and more complex shapes, as you can see. So when you're doing this uh, 440, that wasn't one of the examples here, but 440 makes like a, almost an incoherent blob of energy. And 432, which they call the frequency of love in some cases, makes like a 16 pointed star that looks like the sun. So if you, when you're listening to even what you're putting on your radio uh, have a have a thought like what is this doing to my body is it being a contribution or might i be able to listen to something else that is going to create some lightness for me mm. yeah and uh this is the uh 432 hertz uh thing is something that um i guess i had known about for a little while but i uh like i didn't know that you could get for example like instruments like a flute specifically tuned uh, to those frequencies. And Hank has been sort of uh, schooling oh, yeah. me on that the past several months. Since you mentioned the flute, I'll just show it. This is um, <laughs> this is a drone flute, and I had it custom made to the frequency of 432. Uh, instead, like 440 sounds pretty, but you can't even tell the difference that it's really, uh, uh, like at least audibly, you can't tell the difference that it's uh, slightly different than like your standard music uh, tuning. But even way back when like Mozart was around, they weren't always tuning their symphonies to 440. They were picking other frequencies. So you can, uh, if you look, you can find all those symphonies with different tunings besides the standard 440. Well, you pulled out the flute, so you have to play it now. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to look that up, Mike. Uh, Mike's asking about Ed Edwards' frequency, and I don't remember what it is. There we go. Little flute action for you. <laughs> you. You can't pull it out without playing it. Yeah, but this is a drum flute, so it has two barrels, so you get two notes out of it. And depending how you play it, you can just get the one side, or you can get the effect of having the two notes harmonizing together. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I love that thing. <laughs> yeah. But as, um, as we are able to like measure frequency more and more, uh, to kind of go where Mike was asking. He was asking about a gentleman named Ed Edwards. And Ed, um, you can find an episode of him on Ancient Aliens when they are, he's like the most studied healer on the planet by all, all kinds of different universities because he has such control of his energy field, they can measure the as he manipulates things and can actually knock people around and, uh, and, and do different things like that. He was featured in a Super Bowl commercial one year blowing up a bag of Doritos, if you want to go look it up. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so Ed, um, whenever he's been doing 
doing these studies, they've been measuring his brain and there's one particular Hertz frequency that when he's doing what he does that his brain goes to. And I forget what it is, but um, we're, we made some prototype uh, tuning forks where it's a binaural beat to create that frequency. So like if you study someone doing shamanism or um, levitating uh, stones or whatever they're doing, if you have the ability to measure what brainwave they're in, you can you can map like where they're going to do what they're doing and create binaural beats to help yourself and train to go to that same frequency to help you learn to do what they probably took years and years and years to figure out doing in a fraction of the time. Oh, that's so cool. Now I wonder though, if uh, the different frequencies are, are like what we're able to access through those are different for each person, you know, like maybe his exact frequency that he goes to isn't the same frequency that my brain needs to go to in order to do the same. Yeah, well, that's a whole another ball of wax, isn't it? Because <laughs> it, it may also be like how I say any crystal can do anything. Maybe you can do anything at any frequency. It's just a question of finding out, well, in that frequency, how do you have to do it versus how Ed does it? Right. Yeah, so that's uh, – but if you don't know how to do it, it's a good place to start. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and just even a, a set of theta forks can help or getting a, a, a CD track from like Dick Sutphin who has a ton of good binaural beat um, – self-hypnosis CDs, uh, the, just anything that gets you into Theta, that's where you can start to explore that world with what Theta is all about and what access to information that you have. Because it's kind of like a radio and what frequency are you tuning into? And each frequency has its own little niche. Like, oh, well, here's where you talk to earthbound spirits and here's where you talk to people who have gone into the light and here's where you talk to spirit guides and angels and ascended masters and so on. And with each one also comes certain healing abilities potentially that, that well, this is where I go when I need to work out on hucha and here's where I go where I need to cut cords and that kind of thing hmm. that's so fascinating um I know uh, uh when I was first learning to do all this work communicate with spirit guides do healing work and all of that a lot of the practice uh, that I put in in the beginning was just me learning how to enter into various tr trance states uh trance state is just a relaxed but focused state of mind and it's usually is somewhere between like mid alpha to low theta um anywhere in there can be a trance state um which is a, it's a broad range of frequencies but um a lot of the time i spent was was doing self-hypnosis techniques or meditation techniques uh just to learn to get my my brain to to go there and um at first when you start to practice it does take time to really uh, get the mind to start to quiet down and relax and enter into those states. But then you you work with anchors. Like one of the things we would do in hypnosis was um, uh, once you got into that state where you were super relaxed uh, in that like really deep trance state, you would give yourself or have someone else give you the suggestion of whenever I touch my thumb and pointer finger together, I instantly, effortlessly go right back to this deeply relaxed state. Um, and then you play around with it. So like right after you come out of it, then you touch your fingers together and then you have the intention and you just ooh, slip right back into it. And you do that enough and then eventually you don't even need the fingers and you can just with intention alone go right there. No, I actually used something like that last night when I did the Sonic Shaman concert, which by the way, everyone, if you missed, I streamed it live to a Facebook group, which is free to join. If you go to Conversations with Consciousness, uh, or if you search for that group, that's a group where we do, like we're streaming there right now. And we're kind of making that a place that in between the streams, if you want to interact with Casey and I, or me and Sean, all the different things that we're streaming that we're affiliated with, they're all going to be rolling up to that group going forward. And it's going to create a space where people can interact with each other a little bit easier than on a YouTube video and stuff like that in between streams. But anyhow, 
um, the stream from yesterday's Sonic Shaman concert is there, and I did a whole healing around the world and the coronavirus and all this stuff. And while we were really in the thick of the healing and the um, uh, the healing part in, in a nice little data state, I had everybody squeeze their finger in one spot to set an anchor point. So you get a great example of that. And if you have an hour, it's about an hour long, uh, sit with that. Your headphones are probably best because the speaker didn't pick up the bowls as well as I would have liked. Uh, but the guided meditation part is really powerful if you want to check that out and uh, get your experience of an anchor. And maybe, just maybe, as you go about your day with all the craziness, standing in line, getting into stores and all that, you can just tap that anchor and slip into your peace and calm. And for that purpose alone, anchoring is amazing. You know, I've used it a lot of times myself where, um, uh, you know, periods of like higher stress and anxiety when I would have to like, you know, whatever it is, go out to the grocery store, go to work. I would use an anchor like that where as soon as I felt myself starting to get a little worked up, I would just do whatever it was and then just slip into that really relaxed state. And then sometimes I would just play with it and see like, how long can I hold that super relaxed trance-like state while also walking around and doing things. Yeah. And for me, when I started my meditation practice, I had started by using one of those little tin shahs to make a little ding before I would start to meditate. And then I thought, well, I don't always have those with me. So what would be a, uh, a wiser thing to choose perhaps? And for me, it was simply three deep breaths. I would take three deep breaths and I could just slip right to where I go with meditation because I trained myself. I take three breaths and then I meditate. So three breaths and then I would just slip into the space of meditation without meditating at all and when i was especially when i was on the phone job at bank of america and then mbna formerly mbna um hurricane Katrina times you can just imagine how much um hucha and heaviness was coming through those phone lines for people who were calling in and that saved me <laughs> really uh, just three three breaths and off i was being able to be centered and then could move on to the next call and it it was really powerful so if you don't meditate now pick something doing this um, pulling your ears, whatever weird little anchor thing you want to do, three deep breaths like me, and that's going to help you set the tone uh, to slip back into that space when you need it. So you, you develop the practice to set the anchor, but then you trigger the anchor by doing one of these little uh, things. Right. Um, oh. oh, come on. There was an interesting thought there. <laughs> come back, interesting thought. <laughs> uh, no, but... Um, uh, you know, that really is when a lot of people have difficulty doing um, energy work or, um, you know, communicating with spirit guides or whatever they're trying to do. I think the biggest thing people have difficulty with is um, th that some people don't take the time to really get themselves into that trance state. And, and I think you can, like we said, do anything at any uh, brainwave frequency. So if we're like in that beta brainwave state of like running around and getting things done. Like I, I can tune in and see spirit guides at any time, even if I'm like stressed out driving the car or whatever I'm doing. Um, but uh, uh, a lot of people um, it, uh, never take the time to learn how to lower their brainwave frequency to get into that trance state. So it's difficult for people to um, really access it. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is the example was I had a group of people one time and uh, I was trying to teach them how to communicate with their spirit guides. So I asked the question, uh, okay, you know, who here is aware of their spirit guides around them? And this was a group of people that all, they have all had communication with their guides before, but they could not sense, see, or communicate with them while they were not in a journey like state. So uh, we sat there and uh, and I was asking that and everyone said, no, I have no idea. I can't sense them right now. I can't see them. And uh, so I guided everyone through a process of just getting into that trance state, just 
simple relaxation, focusing on the body and then a little visual thing to relax the mind. And then I told them, okay, while remaining in that same peaceful, relaxed state, now I want you to imagine what your guides would look like if they were around you right now. And then everyone was describing in great detail what their guides looked like and what they felt like and they were getting communication from them. Um, so it's <laughs> really, and that's one of the things I do when I, uh, cause I, I do one-on-one -on -one spirit guide communication lessons. That's one of the big teaching points is just how to start to learn to, uh, at will go into that trance state to do the work. Right. And I wonder, is it learning that to do that while you're in beta or when they were studying Ed, they determined that his brain was in different, like multiple levels at the same time. So he was in theta and like multiple levels of brainwave activity. And so maybe it's just like, instead of one band, maybe you have two, mm. three, four, eight. Um, so is it being in beta or is it being able to be in beta and theta at the same time? Right. Oh, see, I never so, even thought about that. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, and that's, that's just the science of it. If we ever ha get Ed to come on, uh, he, he's uh, kind of getting out there in the world now. Ever since he was on TV, he's get, uh, he's a lot busier than he used to be. So I haven't had a chance to pin him down as easily. But if he ever comes on, like he, he'll talk a lot about the science and um, it, it's really interesting. And just being able to see like university showing a brain up and seeing that it's in all these different levels of consciousness at once. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it is. And I know um, that's one of the cool things about like uh, um, the Dalai Lama is that, uh, you know, there. I think there are a lot of other uh, like spiritual traditions that uh, aren't, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I could be wrong, but I, I have the feeling, at least when I used to research things that like certain traditions wouldn't be so open to like having people run tests on them and things. But the Dalai Lama is always like really open to like people who want to do research and like study his brainwave uh, states and all that. So I know like he's always like really up for that and fascinated to learn about what's going on. Oh, I did tell you about the Dalai Lama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and he uh, and so the, I I I I, re I was researching it at one point. I couldn't I couldn't tell you what website or what or what to really search, but maybe just type in on Google or something Dalai Lama um, like uh, I don't know brainwave frequencies or I know they did um, what did they call that um, like an, uh, a live MRI thing where they had him meditate and then they they showed the areas of the brain Top that were like brain mapping yes. Yeah. And uh, so they had the so you you can see that like what the Dalai Lama's brain looks like when he's in meditation. So that's the neuroscientists like, who did the research <laughs> studies on access bars, like doing a brain mapping of, of of what is what access bars is doing, has studied like the Dalai Lama and had different meditators hooked up, and that's what made him so interested in access because he saw ninety minutes of bar session made people go from like ninety five I forget how many magnitude anxious to normal, which is like unheard of. And then he devoted like years of his life studying access, and then it got all flushed down the toilet at the end. But um, <laughs> but he, he was enamored at seeing how how easily a little something like the bars can just shift you. And so like, what tools could we have that would allow us to be more like the Dalai Lama and be able to have our brain do all kinds of fun stuff. So wait, were you saying that the Dalai Lama studied access consciousness? No, the, a neuroscientist that did a study oh. of access bars also studied the Dalai Lama's or somebody oh, okay. he referenced monks and different meditators. So I'm thinking he, it, it, I don't know for sure if he did the Dalai Lama, honestly, but he's done other people like that do a lot of meditation and things like that. And also oh, people who are receiving and giving Reiki sessions, he would hook them up and he would just monitor what was happening, the brainwave activities of both the practitioner and the recipient. 
Oh yeah, see that's fascinating stuff. And I know now um, one of the things that I find really cool is those. Uh, you, like you, I think they said they have one at Goddess Elite. Is what you said the cameras that can see the auric yeah, field. The auric camera, like you put your hand on it, and then it will show the energy field and and all that kind of stuff. And Mike, just one clarification: my concert did not stream to YouTube yesterday uh, because it was the first time trying to stream something like that. I chose just to do it to the private group. Uh, I might post it afterwards on YouTube, uh, but right now it's just in that Facebook group. So you did miss it last night it was not streamed there and uh, Shar was asking have you I've heard you guys mention access bars where can you investigate that uh, well if you go to holistichealthandhealing.net uh, that's the website for the center you can look up um, some of the uh, I think we have some of the videos up now I'm not sure or just accessconsciousness.com would be the place to um, find out more about access if you want to look at the video specifically that I mentioned Google access consciousness neuroscientist and you will find the presentation of the neuroscientist showing his findings of access bars uh, at a medical conference mm -hmm. oh that's all cool stuff oh, yeah, well, well, I, I, I was just now noticing the time because I have a uh, massage clients today so I'm gonna have to hop off here in a couple minutes so maybe we can give our sort of uh, <laughs> wrapping it up thoughts. So last uh, last call for questions to real quick questions only. And let me put this up in a banner real quick. Oh, not that one. <laughs> we will here we go. So it's just accessconsciousness.com and that is the website for it. If you want to check that out. And basically access consciousness, the definition is they say Pure consciousness is the awareness of everything that is in the absence of a judgment about it. And the whole modality is focused around tools to help you uh, break limitations that hold you in the duality and to the uh, addiction of polarity and expand into possibility. In a nutshell, that's what access does between talking tools, clearing processes, and energy fl uh, energy flows. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Very cool. Cool. So final thoughts, Casey, my all mm -hmm. brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we talked a lot about brainwave uh, states and frequencies and things today. And I, one, I guess what I'm feeling called to say right now is um, don't get, you don't have to get too caught up in the science of it. You know, you don't really, you don't have to learn anything about brainwave frequencies at all. But uh, know that there are a lot of really excellent tools out there um, that can help you to um, more easily uh, take control of, um, how to put it, uh, your uh, your mental state, right? Uh, so when we're trying to do healing work, communicating with guides or whatever, um, it's very advantageous to have some control over how mentally relaxed we are. Um, and so things like binaural beats, tuning forks, um, you know, uh, anchoring, all that stuff, all these tools are out there. So just find whichever one sort of resonates with you. Start playing around with it. And uh, if nothing else, just take note of how you start to feel um, when you uh, play with these different tools. And um, you, you may find that it uh, really improves the quality of your life just to have a little bit more control over how mentally relaxed you are. That may bring great quality of peace into your life you didn't have before. Right. For me, uh, being the person that loves questions so much, which is an access thing, by the way, uh, to leave you with this question, like if you don't want to go down the science route or get tuning forks, uh, simply stating this question and don't get caught up in the words of the question. It's more important or it's rather Casey says it all the time. Words point to an energy and an access to questions. are. It's not about the words. It's about the energy that it brings up and being aware of the energy and not making yourself define what that energy is when it comes up, just letting it be. So you ask what energy 
could I be to allow my brain and my being to shift into these other places of consciousness? And you just say that question, or you can tailor it to your own needs, but you just ask the question, don't look for an answer, but watch what about the energy that comes up. And that's what you pay attention to. And then you just allow yourself to kind of uh, be with that energy and that's going to help make it uh, start making the shift for you just by asking that question you could ask that every day what energy could i be today to be more in that state than any day before this and just allow that energy to come up and then you flow with it mm. practice per, uh, spiritual progress not perfection so give yourself a break if you don't get it the first day just keep asking the question keep allowing the energy and the more you ask the question the more and more you're going to shift to being in that space the whole time mm. i love it <laughs> All right. Well, and everyone, thank you for your energy and your attention. I thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A Nike, a Nike, a Nike. <laughs>